0: It is Friday the 16th of August 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 53 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice and if you're looking for financial advice I recommend that you speak to an authorized financial advisor. Okay, so on today's episode, we have part one of a two-part conversation I had with Andrew Page. Andrew Page has over 20 years of experience in the financial markets and is the founder and managing director of strawman.com. I urge you, if you get the chance, to head to strawman.com and check out what Andrew is doing. It's some really innovative stuff and particularly interesting if you perhaps want to have a look at some stocks on the ASX. That was initially what we were meant to talk about on the episode, the ASX. We had this whole episode planned out about what we were going to discuss and everything like that. And I asked Andrew the first question as planned and then we went straight off piece, forgot all the questions and talked about investing theory and how to think about it and how to think about the markets for about half an hour which is which is great I really enjoyed it. Now, Andrew is based in Australia and I am as you know in New Zealand. So we recorded the conversation over the phone. So for this this reason there are some moments where the quality is a bit dodgy and a bit crackly, but I urge you to listen past some of the stuff and 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 listen to what Andrew is actually saying which is of, of the highest quality. So anyway, we'll pick up we'll pick this up from the start of the conversation. Right, so on the line here with me from Australia is Andrew Page, the founder and managing managing director of com. It's been an interesting couple of days in the markets, hasn't it, Andrew?
1: It has, Jeremy,
0: and thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, uh, an interesting couple of days,
1: but, you know, um, I would say not an unusual uh, couple of days. I think we tend to forget, but these, these kinds of ructions, if I can use that term, are,
0: are pretty common um, in the grand scheme of things. So what, what would your advice be to someone that might be a bit, I guess, stressed out about the portfolio over the last couple of days then?
1: Well mate, if I if I can put it not too fine a point on it, I'd say, well, what were you expecting? I mean,
0: <laughs> did you really
1: think you were going to invest in the market and it was only ever going to sail up in a straight line? I I don't I don't mean to be critical or harsh with that, but but you know, that's that's the reality of it, you know, when even when markets are in very strong bull markets and we're still in a bull market, we're one of the Longest bull market runs in history you know it's it's a case of two steps forward one step backwards so this is normal this is par of the course um mm. is it scary yeah it's very scary um uh you know you're dealing with potentially a, you know a big chunk of your personal wealth but but this is what you signed up for and i'd also go that this is the price of admission this is this is why the market delivers such wonderful long-term gains. It's that risk equals reward kind of um, equation. Um, we're taking on greater risk by investing in equities, but but because we do that, and if you've got the right mindset, time frame, temperament, and all of that kind of stuff, um, that's why you get that's why you get the really good good returns. Not not um, in spite of it, or almost because
0: of it. And I guess if you're buying for the right reasons and you're knowing what you're holding, it's not necessarily a bad thing, is it?
1: Well, this is this is why I always say to people, it's, it's very important to have a very clear strategy laid out. You know, even at a very high level here. I mean, what is what is it you're trying to do? There's this thing called the share market, but you can approach it in umpteen different ways. Are you a short-term trader that uses momentum and technical analysis? Are you a long-term buy-and-hold? Do you just collect ETFs? I mean, there's a thousand different ways to skin this skin this particular cat. Um, I'm very much a, a, of the long-term um, variety. Yeah, um, and so you know, for me, for me, this is not unusual at all. I'm, I'm not trying to time the market. I think, mm. Frank, if I'm being honest, I've I've never met anyone, and I've been in this industry for close to 20 years. I've never met anyone who can consistently do it. Um, I'm sure I'm sure people can. Um, it's, it's not something that I, I think um, most of us can do with with any reliability, though. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you're going into this expecting this, if you're going into this embracing it and, and, and understanding what you're doing, remembering that the market is really just a mechanism that enables us to participate in, in the ownership of a company. You know, I am, I am buying a part stake in a company. And so what I care about is, is the quality of that company, the prospects of that company. And am I, am I paying a sensible price? I'm not trying to pick the best available price and, and pick the bottom, and I'm not trying to, you know, get out the second that that, that goes up from my purchase price. I'm I'm really buying a, a wonderful asset that I think's got great potential, and yeah, will be worth a lot more in the future. But you know, Jeremy, when you look at the great success stories of the market, it's not it's not the the guy who you know might have made twenty percent one year from trading in and out of a thousand things. It's, it's the guy that buys, you know, Amazon under a hundred bucks. It's the guy who buys Promedica's. You know, less than a dollar and holds on for five years, you know, all the ups and downs and the rest of it. But you have this wonderful wealth creation as this business grows and grows and grows. And that's that's where the money is made. And the best part of that is as well, if you're lazy like me, is that the, the company's doing all the work. You kind of do plenty of work to sort of research it, understand it and buy it. But then you've got employees of your business and the board looking after it all for you. Um, so really what you wanna do is you, you spend your time understanding the business, making a very careful selection and then just getting the hell out of the way. Um mm-hmm. you know, it, it's that old saying that the, the um your your greatest enemy is, is likely to be yourself when it comes to the market. So, you know, remember what you're doing and um the the fact that market's down quite a bit today, I think the US had its largest um one day drop in something like, you know, seven months or something like that. Well, the businesses that I owned yesterday are the same businesses today. Exactly. Yeah. Like absolutely no difference. And in fact, if, if the business quality is just the same, I'm I've now got an opportunity to buy it at a cheaper price, which which is a good thing.
0: Okay, so but surely if you have, I guess, overpaid for a security or or made the wrong investment, then days like these can be even more scary, surely. Like that it, it, it doesn't yes. necessarily protect you.
1: And it doesn't, but that you should be worried about that, regardless of what happens in on sure. any
0: other yeah. day.
1: If if, if you've bought a bad company at a silly price, well, that was a problem <laughs> yesterday before the market fell, and yep. it's no more or less of a problem today because the market fell. Yeah, um, but the, you know the point, the the real the, the value in in doing the homework, and unfortunately, there's no shortcuts. But the value in doing the homework and really getting to understand the business is It, it gives you that fortitude. To to hold through the scary periods because when I look at my holdings, I'm, I'm not going to lose one second sleep tonight because I understand them intimately well. Whatever Trump tweets out or whatever the bond curve does, you know, it does not change the prospect. Yeah, how does it affect your holding? Yeah, Not months. at all, Not at all. Now, if, if I'm in retirement, this is a capital base that I need to live on, and I'm, I was planning on selling sometime soon. Well, that that definitely changes it. But when I'm going into this with capital, I, I very much plan to leave untouched. And, Frankly, three years is an absolute minimum. Ideally, five to ten.
0: Uh, oh yeah, I mean, it, of things that don't bother me. It absolutely stinks if you're intending to sell today, doesn't it? If you're intending to sell, if yesterday you said, okay, today, tomorrow's the day I'm going to be liquidating my holdings and taking the cash out of the market to retire, then you know you would be rather it's the other way other way around. But if you're a long term holder, it, it doesn't really matter, does it? It, look, it doesn't. And I, I
1: actually even say, let's say that I was yesterday, I was thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm going to buy a house or something. I'm going yeah. to sell oh, my yeah, yeah, yeah. let Yeah. Let, let's say I was doing that. And let's say I'd, I'd had that money invested over the last five or 10 years. Well, you know what? The, the market's down 2% today. My my portfolio on average is probably down something similar.
0: Now, is that really
1: the difference between me having had a worthwhile adventure in the market? You know, if, if I bought in, into the market five years ago, I had all the ups and downs, and today just happens to be the day that the market has a big 3% drop. It sucks. <laughs> you know, the, timing's not, the timing's not great, but really we're talking about, you know, I could have sold... If, if the difference between me claiming success or not is 3%, then I'm not doing it properly. You know, I wish, the, the market on average tends to be about 10% per annum. It never hits that exactly, but when you smooth it out over long periods, it's about 10%. So I've probably got sixty odd percent return over the last five years just if I just, you know, bought an ETF and, and sat on my bum. Now, if it was sixty percent yesterday and it was fifty seven percent today, um, is it disappointing? Yeah. Um am I am I gonna tear my hair out and, you know, it and lose any sleep? Well no. It's 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 almost irrelevant from both from both standpoints, as long as you're doing it properly, with
0: the right expectation. Now, there's three things I've, I've, I've three notes I've made from what you've said there. The first thing is that it, I, what I understood is that it doesn't so much matter on your strategy; it's more understanding what that strategy is and, and what you're getting yourself what getting yourself in for. The second yep. thing is that there's no, no there's no shortcuts. Whatever your strategy is, it's, it's hard work, isn't it? Unless you're, it, I guess, averaging is. into an ETF over time. Um, yep. And the the third is that, similar to what I always say as well, is that the, the the stock market is no different to any other market except that the merchandise is buying and selling companies as opposed to buying um, and selling clothes or food or whatever it might be. And if you think about it from that perspective, it, it becomes a lot simpler, am I right? You're 100%, 100% right, mate. And it, it, the The market is one of these weird places
1: where... People are happier to buy as the price goes up. So if you and I were buying socks and, you know, we could get them for a uh, dollar yesterday and 50 cents today, we'd be really happy with that outcome. But in the we share market, we, socks, we, yeah. we, we, want, we want our socks to be a dollar yesterday and two dollars today. We, we're going to be more inclined to buy the higher the price goes. Yeah. And that's in, And that's insane. Um, you know, it makes that you, you, we, we, we are, whether it's the fish market, the stock market, whatever, yeah. you know, you, the, 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 the commodity, the item that is being traded is the item that's being traded. And we, we can and should have a very firm opinion of what that is worth. Um, but, but price and value are two very, very, very separate things. And if we've yeah. got a good, clear, independent idea of value and the market, for whatever reason, is, is giving us a better value proposition on a given day, that is a good thing. And, you know, if, if your whole idea was to approach this with, with a gambling mindset, and good luck to you if you do, um, nothing wrong with it. Just, as you said at the start, just be, just be clear that that's what your strategy is. Now, if you don't have a clear plan, you know, what, what's the saying? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. the key thing
0: that you said there is the idea of value isn't it what the idea of value is because if if your idea of value is one dollar but it's actually worth 10 cents a share as an example then you do have a serious problem though don't you Uh,
1: it is all about value i mean everything we do as investors is really to get to that so you know i talk a lot about trying to understand the business what are the risks what are the profit drivers what are the alignment of of um, key management personnel uh, what's the macro environment, all of these things. I mean, that, that all of that is a very, very long list, just to get to a point where you can objectively and rationally derive some notion of value. You, you're never going to know for sure. I mean, we can define value precisely, but we can never calculate it. But we can have a sensible view. Now, I, I might think that Telstra, to use an ASX company, is worth somewhere around $3. Now, if it's If it's two eighty or three twenty, I mean, in reality, either way, I'm I'm going to be pretty generally right. And Far better to be generally right than specifically wrong. But as you say, if I for some reason come up to the conclusion it's worth ten dollars a share and it's really worth three dollars a share, then then we've got a problem. So, you know, you 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 have to have a good sense of value, and everything you do in the as an investor is really just trying to get to that point. And once you've got to that point of being able to sort of articulate a sensible notion of value, then it's just waiting for Mr. Market to come to the party and to offer you a price which which represents value or even better. And then, frankly, looking to just pop that in the bottom drawer until he, he knocks on the door again in a ridiculously euphoric mood and gives you a price that's too good to resist, in which case you say, well, it's all yours. Um, you know, it's, it's the old Benjamin Graham parable. So it's, it's exactly that. Um, of course, it's much more difficult in practice than it is <laughs> with a quick allegory.
0: So, I've got two questions from that. So, I guess what you're essentially saying is it's like you owning a small business, and the market is someone just knocking on your door every day and offering you a price. Is that right? It's it's exactly
1: right. And I should be clear, it's not me saying that. This is this is from the likes of Benjamin Graham and Warren Buffett. So I'm you know I'm standing on the shoulders of giants
0: here. They've they've been
1: articulating this for decades. Um, but yeah, that's that's exactly
0: what it is. Well, the good thing about that is in a lot of cases, they've done all the hard work for us, haven't they, in defining the, the strategy and coming up with the, the way of understanding it. And then I, I do the same. I piggyback off them all the time. Um, yep. I should just quote very quickly, speaking of Buffett, his his partner Charlie Munger has, has this saying, I don't I don't remember
1: it precisely, but it's it's along the lines of, you know, nobody's too smart to figure everything out from first principles. You know, there's there is a long history of extremely smart and successful individuals who have done the hard yards in figuring out the big ideas. You know, they they get called mental models, which is sort of a new vogue way of talking about it this way. But you know these 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 big ideas have been not only put forward but demonstrably shown to be true over very, very long periods of time with with many, many people sort of um, being able to sort of use that as the basis of their success. so when you approach the market, you know you don't you don't need to figure out all of this stuff from scratch you know we, we can rely on the mentorship of people who not only have a very sound um, philosophy
0: but have also got the track record to demonstrate its its validity. Mm. And you don't have to meet those mentors, do you?
1: No, look, it's all online. You know, there's, there is a mountain of stuff online for free. And there's, there's some wonderful books. And every investor should spend a very, very significant part of their time um, educating themselves before they buy buy their first share. And it's, it's a process that never stops. You know? um, you, you're learning all of the time, but you, you, you that resource is available there. It is, you know, I, I imagine if if you and I wanted to, um, I don't know, become become the best tennis player in the world. You know, we're not going to be able to rock up to Wimbledon and have any chance of doing anything. You know, it is, it's 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 going to be a lot of love games very 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 quickly. Mm. But if we put the if we put the effort in, um, and we put the practice in, then we're inevitably going to get better. Whether that's tap dancing or playing the guitar or any kind of endeavor which requires skill, it is all about practice. And investing is no different. So unfortunately, and this is generally true for males as opposed to females, who um, fairer-sex tend to be much more smart about this kind of stuff, but guys tend to look at the market as a way of easy riches and you know, maybe I can subscribe to a couple of newsletters, you know, read a few blogs and I'm, I'm good to go. And I'm going to start folding my serious parts of my savings in, into the market and,
0: and and she'll be right. Sort of like a get um, rich it, quick scheme almost.
1: It is, it is. And unfortunately, the market is this, this really weird place where you can do stupid things and get great reward mm. for a time. And you can do very smart things and get punished for it. So there's some wonderful investors I know have had a terrible run over the last year. Um, did they do the right... Thing or the wrong thing. Well, probably not. If they'd had that chance ten times, they should probably do the exact same thing every time. And in the majority of cases, it's going to work out. But this is this is a probabilistic endeavor.
0: On the other hand, because the barriers people... the barriers of entry are so low, aren't they? Like to actually physically buy a stock, what do you need? A, a proof of ID, a thousand dollars, and you can go and for thirty dollars, you can go buy or whatever it is. Twenty dollars, you can go buy a share in a company, and yeah. you can you can do that right one time, you might be able to do it right five times, but over the, I guess the track record has to be developed over a period of years and a number of transactions, doesn't it, to sort of be not legitimate, but to be proven, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. I mean, look, look how many geniuses there were with uh, Bitcoin, to take the classic recent example. I mean, people who had made phenomenal amounts of money. Now, did they know what they were doing? Or were they just Johnny on the spot, right place, right time? You know, that, a lot of people buying lottery tickets someone wins the lottery every now and again, it doesn't mean it was a smart thing yep. to do. And that's not to take, maybe some people did have some really good investment theses there and, and you know, executed it well. But I, I would guarantee you that in the majority of cases, when you've got every single Uber driver and um, you know, shoeshine boy out there sort of you know, playing, playing the crypto market, then this, this is just pure outright speculation. And it's, if you treat the, the market or any kind of serious investing like the casino, you're going to get the same
0: result. Mm, absolutely. So you mentioned before about you used the example with Telstra, but just take Telstra out of it. About buying a stock for three dollars and that's actually worth ten dollars. Mm. Do you do you see that those sorts of opportunities out there? Are they about, or is it is that more of a one-off sort of thing, or something you might not uh, yeah. see every day?
1: Excellent question. So I, I, I sort of used that example to sort of illustrate the point. Um, there's, there's something called... Um, your listeners, know, we're not, we're not obviously
0: not talking about Telstra here, of course. But. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, so your, your listeners
1: probably have come across something called the Efficient Market Hypothesis, mm. which was developed by Eugene Farmer a while ago now. And it basically says that markets are extraordinarily efficient at pricing in new information. So, you know, given what we know, just stick with the example, given what we know about Telstra and their results chart today, incidentally, um, a lot of very smart analysts, a lot of very well-resourced people um, are, are making pretty sensible judgment on that and the wisdom of the crowd out in a way that the market tends to be right a lot of the time. So yep. the pure ideologues in the efficient market hypothesis just say it's impossible to actually beat the market because the market's always perfectly efficient. I don't lean that way. I think it is entirely possible to beat the market, but I have a I have a great deal of respect for the market, and I would say that the market is more often than not it is right. So when when are there are there opportunities to buy great companies below their intrinsic value? Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. Um, are there opportunities to buy them fifty you percent know, below their intrinsic value? Not often, but more often than perhaps you you might expect. And when those times come, you need to act decisively and and, and really back the, back the truck up in in a very significant way. Um,
0: but chance so when say those money. when you say those times, do you mean a situation where the entire market is maybe perhaps like March two thousand and nine as an example, where the entire market might be a bit out of kilter?
1: yeah um well they, they
0: definitely um fall under that category, but that's probably
1: a one in ten year type event mm-hmm. um but you'll often get you'll often get things that are very very company specific and very very reasonable from a certain perspective but I think what we as investors have is a wonderful op- opportunity in terms of of our time horizon so i'll i just dig into this a bit generally because it's a key point so sure. uh, what what you'll often see is um a company comes out. Maybe it's a small cap company. I, I like to sort of play in that space. And they have why a disappointing... Just before you continue, why, why, why the small caps? I think it's less efficient, just to, to, to extend um, the previous point. I, I think you have far fewer people um, or highly experienced people looking at it. So, that, so the market can really deviate from intrinsic value.
0: So yep. when, I'm, when I'm buying
1: Telstra, I'm up against probably you know, all of the smartest analysts in the country.
0: When I buy a
1: twenty million dollar small cap company, you know, there's no analyst looking at that. It's probably some really smart private investors, but there's probably a whole bunch of people who don't know what they're doing as well. So there's 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 more opportunity there. Plus I get better access to to management. I think the businesses have better growth potential.
0: There's a variety of
1: reasons, but um yeah, I I, I like small caps. But what, what I can tell you in that space is that you'll have a, a thesis as to why you like a business. It might be that I think they've got a very interesting product. It's likely to go very strongly. And in five years' time, they expect these guys to be material, materially larger than they are today. Yeah. Um, and then they come out, and then they have a disappointing quarter. Um, now, it might be disappointing because it wasn't as good as management had expected, or it wasn't as good as market participants had priced in. Mm. And the share price falls, and, and in these cases, often it, it can fall a lot. Um, and objectively, it's bad news. You know, they, they might have been expecting to make $10 million this year, and they only made $6 million. That's a big miss, and, and that's, that's bad news. But, but often, you, there's two reasons that that can happen. Anyone who's been in business knows that it's not smooth sailing. You know, it's, just, it's lumpy by nature. You, you, even people at the top who know the business intimately are going to have an incredibly difficult time forecasting what earnings are going to be 12 months out. Um, You know, it's super, super, super difficult.
0: Oftentimes, these big drops in stock prices after news, the the people, the commentary on it attribute it to the company performing poorly. But oftentimes, I I don't think that's the case. It's more the stock has has moved because the expectations were too lofty as opposed to the company actually performing poorly. And I think that's a big misconception by the media and, and coverage and everything like that.
1: It's so a very quick caveat that it depends. Some, some management, of course, career, yeah. they put a weight around their own neck, but they tie the rope to hang themselves where they, they give hyper-specific guidance. They, they're they very optimistic and bullish in their communication. They lead the market to that expectation, in which case I kind of think they, that there is a culpability.
0: Sure. But in a lot of
1: cases, and you're exactly right, in a lot of cases, The business is just giving you a forth and frank assessment of what they expect. They're telling you what their vision is. And it so happens that the results that ended up, that came out at the end of the day just weren't as good. Now, there's two different cases here. Maybe the results are are bad for very deep structural reasons, in which case, get the hell out. But my point is, is that very often you get things that are disappointing but really, don't change the longer-term view of of what this business is capable of and is on track to do. And if you 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 can pick any single um, star stock sort of story in history, and you know Amazon's probably the, the best one that everyone. Will know. I mean, what phenomenal gains that thing has had! But that has had some incredible misses along the way. It has had some huge drawdowns in terms of the share price. The future, the longer-term future, never really changed that much. It's just that everyone was so obsessed with the short term and this is why I think as, as investors one of our greatest advantage is, is a, as a time arbitrage is that if you can think three Yeah. Yep.
0: It
1: it's wonderful. I mean, even even against the professionals because all, all the guys you know in the city who are doing this kind of stuff, they're, they're, they have, there's an institutional imperative there and a bunch of really silly reasons that, that force everyone to be to be looking about a year out and that's about as far as they go. If, if you can look beyond that, and you can say, "Wow, what a that was a disappointing result, but you know the business is still wonderful shape, and now I can pick it up at fifty percent um, less than what it was yesterday." Yeah, that's a good that's a good prospect. Doesn't mean it's going to bounce tomorrow. I mean, if if you're anything like me, you'll buy it and then it'll go down another fifty percent. I mean, (laughs) I know that feeling. (laughs) Yes, but it's how it goes. And when you remember that, wait a 2nd I'm not trying to time things here. I'm just trying to say, is this a good asset at a good price? If you get that right, and you've got the patience to sort of see that out on the market, you will do well. You, You you you're guaranteed to do well.
0: Um, it, it's funny, but, isn't it? Because if you had bought that stock and it had fallen by 50%, often it's psychologically hard to buy more. But if you had, were thinking of buying a stock and then it falls 50%, the opposite normally occurs. You're pretty stoked to buy some. Yes. Yep. It, it's, and, but in reality, the stock doesn't know that you own it or that or you don't own it. It, it. The business is going to do and the stock's going to do what it's going to do, isn't it?
1: And even if it did know, it wouldn't care. You know. Yep. So you're, you're 100% right. So so remember, this is, this is not um, – the only times you really should care about the share price is when you're looking to add more to your portfolio or when it's coming time to sell. You know, it all, it all, the, the, the classic example um, is, is with property. Now, if you own your house, could you imagine if you came and had um, a valuer knock on your door every day and give you an appraisal? I mean, your house would be super volatile. You would, you would lose, you would gain ulcers in your stomach, you would lose a bunch of, you would age very quickly. But but of course, the great thing about property is you only know the price when you buy and sell it. At all other times, this is a rough estimate based on what else is sort of happening in your name. You don't really have any clue until you test it in the market. So it's So it's not very liquid, but the benefit of that is is that you don't get this constant pricing. So I've often joked that if I was, king of the world, my first decree would be to say that the share market is only open one day a year. The only time you can buy and sell your shares is on the, you know, let's call it the 30th of June each year, and uh, you're forced to hold it no matter what in between. I guarantee you two things. It'll be volatility a mad day. Volatility, <laughs> it'd be a mad day, but volatility would disappear. Um, you know, you, you these um, when, when you look at a 10-year chart, it, it'd be a much smoother line. And also, I think people would make much better decisions because mm. they're forced they're forced to look out beyond tomorrow beyond next week and next month um so it's it's not the case, but if you can trick yourself into believing
0: that's the case it, it's a it's a good it's a good mental trick well I can give you some examples from personal experience. I remember actually quite a specific example in my life the the market was was quite volatile for a period I can't remember exactly when it was but I remember every day, I was probably every hour, I was looking at the stock prices, getting quite stressed about it. And then I went on holiday for a week and didn't look at the stock prices once. Yep. And I how good did you feel? I remember I came back from holiday, checked the stock prices because I hadn't looked at for a week, and saw that it had been very volatile. And I remember thinking, actually, that was actually quite good not not having to to, to check it and not having to worry about it. It was actually. And I think I learned to listen that day about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I,
1: I agree. I, it's one of those things that I, I've got to, I mean, I do as I say, not as I do. You know, I, I really try to encourage people. Don't, don't check your shares every day. And at the same time, I probably check five times a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's on my <laughs> phone and I, I can't help myself. Um, but. I'd say way, most people would be the
0: same. Oh, uh, we, we love, we love,
1: we love to keep score, you know, um, but but I think you, you need to sort of develop a bit of an equanimity to it, a, a bit of a um, uh, an almost an ambivalence about it. It's 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 a curiosity, it's an interest, but it's not life or death. Um, you know, and Lord knows if it is, you're you, you're doing something very. You've structured things in a very risky fashion, if it is. Mm.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. That was part one. I'm going to be in Fiji for all of next week. It's my first holiday in a in a long time. So next week, I'm going to be playing part two, which is recorded this week as well so listen out for next week and we're going to talk a bit more detail about the asx specifically and what andrew's doing at strawman.com as well so thanks again for listening in a reminder that nothing either andrew or i said in the podcast today should be considered financial advice if you're looking to find out more about the podcast go to stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find it and give it a like by searching on facebook make sure also to share with your friends If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin, and this has been episode 53 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday the 16th of August 2019. We'll see you all again next week for part two.